0: And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take this scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God every person, tribe, language, people, and nation, and they will reign on earth forever. Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. The gospel is, your God reigns, yet the victory has come by means of the crucified God. Join Ryan and Mike as they discover the importance of the crucifixion to the victory of Revelation.
1: All right, Ryan, so we are working our way through the text now. And in chapter one, we saw this powerful vision of the Son of Man as this true human, this royal priest who has conquered and is about to unfold the purposes of God. And then in chapters two through three, we, we surveyed these dispatches to the churches and, and, and talked about our calling as the royal priesthood and our charge to conquer in the midst of this war. And then we got into chapters four and five as a, as a whole last episode and, and saw this vision of the throne room of God, the one seated on the throne, and the sealed book that's in his hand and the 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 lamb who's worthy to open the book and to carry out these purposes of God concerning his kingdom. We want to come back and talk about the, the, the lamb today and look at him a little bit more closely and, and the one who's worthy of so much worship. So why don't you give us a forecast for what we're going to look at in our study today?
2: Yeah, so we're going to go to chapter five and I want to ask the question, why did Jesus die? Mm. Why did Jesus die? You know, whenever you ask most Christians, why did Jesus die? What is our rote answer that we give to that, Mike?
1: You know, using some scriptural language, probably from First Corinthians 15, he died for our sins. Um, right. But, but yep. a little simplistic.
2: Sure. Yeah, certainly true, right? You know, whenever I ask that question to most Christians, the answer I get is to forgive me of my mm-hmm. sins. Certainly 100% true. But there is so... There are so many other levels to that answer Mm -hmm. that I think Revelation is going to give us a robust, moving view of the death of Jesus and the atonement of Christ and what that accomplishes. Mm -hmm. We talked about in chapter one, how Jesus is pictured as both the son of man, but also as he has attributes of the ancient of days. And so it's this idea that Jesus is truly God, truly man. Mm -hmm. Then you get to chapter five, The one who is truly God and truly man is now the Lamb. We need to think about this for a (laughs) little bit. Mike, go ahead and read for me Revelation chapter 5. Read for me verse 8 down through verse 10. Okay.
1: When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, For you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth.
2: So this is where we've talked about before, reading Revelation as the culmination, as like the end game of what's going on in the scriptures before is really, really, really important to understanding the death of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 5, you have the the Lamb coming forward, and He is the only one who's worthy to open the seals of the scroll. And it's because He is the Lamb who has been slain for the people. Mm -hmm. But what exactly does that mean? In this wonderful doxology, a statement of praise coming in verse 9, we read that they sing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why is he worthy? For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Okay, let's think through this phrase. You were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. What Old Testament echoes do you hear in that, Mike?
1: Most most notably, Passover,
2: for sure. Exactly. Yeah. In Exodus chapter 12, God tells Israel that he is about to redeem his people from Egyptian bondage and deliver them unto the promised land by the hand of Moses. But before this happens, God is going to execute judgment on Egypt for her idolatry and for her enslaving powers and everything else wicked that Egypt has done. God is going to execute judgment on Egypt. But he promises any house that is covered in the blood of the Lamb, he will pass over and his judgment will not befall them, but rather they will then be redeemed. They are going to be delivered. They are going to be saved from Egypt and brought out unto the land of God, all by the blood of the Lamb. It's no surprise then. What time of year does Jesus die?
1: It's Passover.
2: What meal was Jesus taking whenever he instituted the Lord's Supper? It was the Passover. The Passover. I do think that the, the this greatest Old Testament event, or at least the most prominent Old Testament event for understanding the crucifixion of Jesus, is without question the Passover. Absolutely. What's interesting to me about the Passover is Passover is not a, what we would call the forgiveness right. of sins. Yeah. There is nothing, nothing, nothing. What's in Exodus 12 about the forgiveness of sins? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> nothing, right? right? We need to be emphatic about this. I think this is a point that's often missed. As you go through Passover in Exodus 12, there is, again, nothing that is said about the forgiveness of sins. It's not until you get to Sinai that God is going to then tell the people, cleanse yourselves, I'm coming among Mm -hmm. you. Then you have sacrifices, Day of Atonement, and then the Day of Atonement becomes really the memorial around which God will cleanse the people of their sins throughout the history of Israel. Mm -hmm. That's when forgiveness of sins takes place, but it's not at Passover, Mm -hmm. But as you go through the New Testament, the death of Jesus is most connected to not the Day of Atonement. Yes, there's certainly allusions to it in Hebrews 8 through 10, but more prominently to Passover. Mm -hmm. So then we need to talk about Passover. What was the purpose of Passover?
1: Rescuing Israel from slavery, oppressive slavery.
2: Exactly. Yes, exactly. You had God's chosen offspring the nation of Israel that had been enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. God remembers his promise to Abraham. He hears the cries of the people, and he then raises up a deliverer who will redeem them from Egyptian bondage. God then, through the blood of the Passover lamb, through his arm and through his outstretched arm and through his great hand, he will redeem his people from bondage. Passover and Exodus, then, are all about deliverance from captivity. They are all about salvation from bondage. From our enemies. They are all about, exactly, they're all about redemption from the enslaving powers. Mm -hmm. The question then, Mike, whenever you get to the New Testament, is why is the death of Jesus likened to the Passover? How is it that at the cross, the blood of the Lamb is redeeming and delivering, and rescuing. What are the powers that are behind this?
1: Sin, powers of death, powers of of the accuser, or the adversary.
2: Exactly, right? This comes, I think, most prominently in Romans 5 and Mm -hmm. 6 is where you just get shouts of this over and over, where the true Son of Man, Romans Mm -hmm. 5, has come to redeem his people. Romans 6, baptisms likened to a new exodus, all by the blood of a lamb, What's interesting as you work through that is we are not delivered from the powers of Egypt, but we are delivered from the powers of sin and from the powers of Mm -hmm. death. That's what the blood of the lamb is accomplishing. Here, as you work through revelation is what you're going to see many times over. The wrath of God is going to be revealed. Mm -hmm. God's righteous judgment is going to be revealed against Satan, against the powers of evil and against everything wicked. God promises as he is righteously judging wickedness and sin and evil for all of its enslaving, horrid effects that it has had on his good creation. He promises that he will redeem his people. Mm -hmm. His people will not befall his judgment. His people will be saved as he purifies and cleanses out and judges everything wicked from creation. Mm -hmm. And who is going to be redeemed?
1: The followers of the Lamb.
2: Those who were covered in the blood of the Lamb. This is not a surprise as you get to Revelation 5. If you even look back to Revelation chapter 1, we see an early mention of this same power. Read for me, Mike, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. Let's go down through verse 7.
1: John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus, Messiah, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he's made us a kingdom, priest to his God and father, to whom be the glory and dominion forever and ever.
2: Amen. Again, did you notice the language Absolutely. there? Absolutely. You're reading from an NASB? Yes. I'm reading from ESV. To him who loves us and has freed us. Mm-hmm. Your translation says. Released us. Released us. When did God liberate his people? When in the Old Testament did God free his people? When did God free his people? Yeah.
1: Exodus and exile.
2: Exodus, right? Yeah. You know, in the Exodus, God liberated his people from the powers of Egypt to bring them out into the land, all those who were covered in the blood. Yeah. Who is God liberating and freeing and redeeming and saving from the condemnation of sin? Those who were covered by the blood. If I had to tell somebody the meaning of the crucifixion in just a sentence or two, a few years ago I would have said Jesus died so that I don't have to be guilty anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's certainly part of it. Jesus died to forgive me of my sins. Oh, yes, that's certainly part of it. But I think more fully, whenever you really see the Old Testament narratives that are leading up to the crucifixion, what we see is Jesus dies as the true Son of Man, mm-hmm. as God incarnate, mm-hmm. to liberate us by his blood mm-hmm. from the powers of sin and death, that we may be released from them to serve God more fully in his family. Yeah, absolutely the it, crucifixion of jesus and the blood of jesus are about deliverance and redemption and release mm-hmm. new exodus yeah. is about to occur absolutely
1: and just as as israel was brought out of slavery to mount sinai and and called to be god's royal priesthood right to to be his people his holy nation
2: exactly that's exactly what's exactly. happening
1: for the people now is is release from this slavery from 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 our enemies that we can now be the royal priesthood of God, and, exactly, and the Messiah right. has paved the way as the true image of
2: exactly. God. Exactly, exactly. You know, we, we are no longer enslaved to sin, but we are kings and rulers and priests in God's mm-hmm. kingdom. We have a new identity. Yeah. Why? All because the Lamb has been mm-hmm. slain. And, and I think you certainly see echoes of this back in Revelation 5, down in verse 9, you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. That is very similar to the language that you see in Exodus 19, when God leads Israel to Sinai and makes covenant with them. The blood of the covenant now is now a covenant made with all people, all tribes, all languages, anyone who follows the Lamb, and anyone who is covered in the blood. And and, and Mike, I, I think while we are imagining and conceptualizing and envisioning these grand visions of Revelation. I mean, certainly Revelation 5 is a part of this great apocalyptic vision that you took us through last time. I also don't want to lose how, I don't know what the right word here is, but how scandalous it mm-hmm. is that we follow a crucified God. Yes. Christianity is the only religion that follows a God who has been shamed and humiliated and crucified. Mm-hmm. The crucifixion is the embodiment of that shame and humiliation, Mm -hmm. and yet it's through the cross, through the crucifixion, through the blood of the Lamb that God is exercising victory. I want us to think about that just for a little bit. Mm -hmm. How is it that the crucifixion and the cross are the means by which God is delivering his people? Is that not typically the moment that you would think of as defeat, but rather God has now seen it as victory? Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk yeah, about yeah, it. Let's yeah. talk about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can. T- okay. Let's talk about yeah. it again. Um, thank you for not selling yeah, this from I, me. Um, I, I, yeah.
1: I wouldn't dream of it.
2: Thank you. So, so I, I think when you look at the, the the nature of the crucifixion, what you really see is God stripping the powers of evil of their power.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Colossians let, 2. Let me, let me use disarmed. an Old
2: Testament yeah. metaphor here. Exactly. Right. You're going to go to Colossians 2 in one second. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah goes against the prophets of mm-hmm. Baal. Each of them are said, call down fire from heaven, yeah. that this sacrifice could be there. Elijah humiliates the prophets of Baal mm-hmm. by showing the prophets of Baal as powerless. Yeah. He shows they have no power. All they have done is deceived you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the powers of mm-hmm. sin. What has Jesus done? Colossians 2.15, which you just said for us. Go ahead. Can you read that passage for me? Colossians 2.15, I think, is this this same idea that you see whenever you look at the the nature of Jesus and how he has delivered victory through the cross. Go and read that verse. When
1: when he disarmed, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. And in the previous verse, he just talks about what he did did on the cross, nailed it to the cross.
2: Exactly. How did Jesus disarm the rulers? By bringing them to open shame. Mm -hmm. Here's what happened. Jesus as the true son of man, Jesus is the new head of humanity. Jesus as the only innocent one who's ever been, the only holy one that's ever been on this earth. Jesus comes to this earth. And what do the powers of sin do to him? They're very worse. The powers of sin humiliate him. The powers of sin shame him. The powers of sin murder him in the most unimaginable way possible. Mm -hmm. If you want to see what sin does with goodness and with righteousness and holiness, Mm -hmm. you look to the cross of Christ. Now, I want you to stop and think through that for a second. This world has been given the gift of God's Mm -hmm. Son. The true Son of Man has come. But yet sin takes that son of man and tortures him. Sin takes that which is good and humiliates it. Sin takes that which is right and destroys it. Sin takes that which is holy and shames it. That's the real nature of sin. When you look at the cross, you see unrighteousness. And the way I say it more simply is, the righteousness of God has been made manifest in the greatest act of unrighteousness the world has ever mm-hmm. seen. You look at the cross and you see this is the powers of sin. This is the powers of death. This is the powers of the evil one. That's their true nature. Mm -hmm. They have been held literally before this world. They have been held up on a hill before everyone to see. This is the real nature of Satan. This is the real nature of sin. This is the real nature of the enslaving powers. They took the holy good one of Israel and murdered him. What power did the sin then have? No
1: power was left.
2: Yeah. You know, Jesus stripped evil of its power. It can no longer accuse us. It should no longer deceive us. Because we've seen it for what it really is. You know, Mike, in Revelation 19... Jesus comes with a great robe. It's covered in blood. Mm -hmm. But he comes with this robe and this sword, and he's going to slay the dragon, and victory will come. That's how Israel expected victory Mm -hmm. to come. They expected a Messiah to come on a white horse and to deliver them victory. Jesus does that in chapter 19. But as Christians, it's extremely important to note that victory is only possible because first the lamb was slain. Only because the powers of Mm evil— have been vanquished only because the powers of sin have been humiliated only because the powers of evil have been shamed. Then is Jesus able to ride in, in a righteous victory. Amen. That's the real nature of the
1: crucifixion. And think about how that totally inverts and dismantles. You said disarms the way humanity has pursued power uh, and ruling right from yes. the beginning right you know so so if you think about that original yes. intention of God yes. that humanity would rule yet what have we seen when the powers of evil invaded you see um, rebellion against God you see violence and injustice and pride and selfishness against one another and it's these these power grabs and it's this domination and it's it's just this bloody mess and and, and that continues even now but but God's kingdom, God's power, God's values, right, are are the complete opposite of that. Rather than coming with this stroke of dominance, it's surrender, it's submission, it's humility, it's self-giving, right? The lion is the lamb. And you see this
2: paradox in verse 12, right? Look at verse 12. There's a loud voice that says, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power. Yes, exactly. Right? Who is worthy to receive power? The one who was slain. The one who has sacrificed, the one who has loved, mm. that is really the one who's worthy to receive s- power. Absolutely. Augustine said that God won not by the power game but by the justice mm. game. Whenever God came to rule, he won not through his great arm of power but through justice yeah. and mercy yeah. and love, and, and that's the nature of the crucifixion. Absolutely, you,
1: you and you see this throughout – I mean fr- from the beginning to end, right? You, you know. The, the cross certainly gives us the interpretive lens to, to reread everything that went before it, but, but you think particularly about the Gospels, right? What's Jesus saying about the nature of the kingdom? The last shall be first and the first shall be last. The greatest among you shall be your servant, shall be your slave. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. It's exactly what we see in this image here, where it's the lion.
0: It is, amen. But he's the lamb
1: standing as slain.
0: Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Next time, Jesus ascended into heaven, having defeated death. And what does he proceed to do next? Read a book. Join Ryan and Mike as they discuss the importance of this scroll and the encouragement this scary chapter actually gives. Don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. back.